Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Steve is here. Marl is here. here. Bunny's here. Hi, we're all here. Welcome to Pingo Commie Sluts. Weren't we just here? Oh my gosh, time is a construct. Uh, <laughs> hi, hi guys, how you guys doing? Doing all right. Are you? <laughs> it's uh, Friday night. It is. It is indeed Friday night. How are you doing, Marlo? Uh, pretty good. Yes, pretty good. yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm still in the middle of it, but... um. In this episode, I found out that he didn't actually even have a gambling addiction. So, like, his one flaw, which was already a marginal flaw, uh, was... It's so, for people who so don't know, like, this is know. discussing Michael Jordan and... I was really disappointed because I thought the whole thing was going to be about Space Jam. So He's just perfect, and I don't see... Why that needs to be uh, carried for 10 parts. Some people like that. I'm with you. I've always been like, ugh, boring. Well, like, uh, Radman, he at least had flaws. He, he wanted to kill himself, and then he realized that if he, like, wore a dress a bunch of times, he didn't need to kill himself. Wonderful story. Wonderful character arc. I don't see Jordan having an arc. It's just kind of... He was the best... And he's remained the best. Yeah, well, okay, so to take it to Chuck, you could do a documentary on uh, Carlson, or you could do a documentary on Fisher. The one on Fisher is going to be much more interesting because <laughs> Fisher was a crazy person, and Magnus Carlson was an upper-middle-class Norwegian dude who liked soccer and found out he was the best chess player in the world at the age of six, and he continues to be the best chess player in the world. That's all. That's Magnus Carlsen's story. I watched the documentary on him. It could fill about two hours, which it did. I wouldn't <laughs> want to watch it for ten hours. I could watch ten hours on. I would love fishing. to be in a country who one of their main celebrities and like models is a chess player. <laughs> we got Bobby Fischer in like a small window of three months in 1972. It was the biggest. Did we lose you? All right, Bunny. What are we talking about tonight? I mean, I guess Joe Biden. He went on the Breakfast Club. He said people ain't black. There's Which, there's a lot of things to contextualize. Regardless of that. context is just yikes. Well, um, let's, let's give it some context because it's got some context. 
Well, for sure it does. And part of that context is that it's pretty interesting to be the wrong problematic person in an interview with Charlemagne the God. So that's who (laughs) hosts The Breakfast Club, for those of you unfamiliar. Um, who, of course, he's a DJ who channels the spirit of uh, Charlemagne. <laughs> I wish that was <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, gosh. It would be cool. If only. And uh, Joe Biden was on the Corona version of it, where they're both remote, and uh, basically said that if you're even considering, you know, voting for Trump, you're not really black. Well, he, okay. He said in a, um, yeah. There's some context to this, which actually goes back to you and me, Bunny. The thing that he brought up was that the news about Joe Biden vetting Klobuchar Mm -hmm. um, alienated some black people because feel rightly that uh, their support in places like South Carolina, you know, sent Joe Biden as senile and slurry as he to the moon. And uh, that they would like some representation in his administration, i.e. Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris. Honestly, even not for representation's sake, but even Elizabeth Warren is more favored among black women. Yeah, hey, Marla. Hey, sorry about that. The internet basically completely crapped out. Um... So are we still on Charlemagne? So we were just introducing uh, the topic there and talking about the context, the context and how uh, it came out that Biden's vetting Klobuchar and uh, how like any of the other uh, seemingly front running choices were more favored by the African-American voting bloc. as, as it were. Yeah, and was it an aide who said, um, well, just why would we, they're going to vote for Biden anyway. We don't need to reach out to them. I think an aide said that of his. There is that. Yes, that is a story. Yeah. There. yeah. Which I mean, um, well, duh. And this is what I wanted. Uh, I just wish I could message everybody who was giving me grief. Uh, back when South Carolina happened and acted like not supporting Joe Biden in the uh, immediate aftermath of the South Carolina primary as if it was somehow racist of people not to to still support Bernie. That was the implication. Me and a lot of Bernie supporters were like, uh, they're full of shit. Uh, they, they think they got shell on lock anyway. This is not a meaningful manifestation of a momentum among a minority voting bloc. Uh, but they all, everybody fucking fell in line about it and like created this like mini narrative that it was like woke as shit to vote for Joe Biden because of that election. And then wah wah. And I mean, this is also a rebuke to everyone who makes the argument that um, I've heard this many times that voting on some Ooh. level gets you uh metaphysically a part of the process yeah they it just they said well you want to be part of the process nope. rather than drop out and that's not how voting works at an electoral level you in fact can only either vote for someone or withdraw your vote for someone and it's a negotiation as to whether or not you'll vote for that person and if you say 
my vote is reliable <laughs> yeah, and free, uh... they will not respect you for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, uh, I mean, uh, you, I really you know what? Credit where credit's due. See if you've been calling it for months. I, yeah. I really uh, absolutely. I was, uh, I There's no reason to go with Kamala. They were going to make a, a play uh, for Kamala just because it seems like a good on paper situation. But I, I just can't. I mean, uh, I love every moment of this uh, election cycle so far. The Democratic Party lets me know they are worse than I've even assumed. <laughs> See, and that, that should have been your baseline assumption. I know, but I'm still I'm a I'm diplomatic by nature. Uh, the baseline assumption couldn't be they're worse than she assumed because that's like that Mitchell and Webb sketch where it's like I know I don't know I have flaws. Or I think they're, they're, I try to place the cynicism in the right area and I keep missing, you know, I keep thinking, well, but cause I keep, there's some like optimism that I need to inject in my, uh, looking at this still, cause I can't deal with it, um, I mean, I don't think any of this really matters because I 100 percent believe Donald Trump is going to postpone this election and we are going to be dealing with a completely different scenario that has nothing yeah. to do with the typical electoral landscape. But Klobuchar, guys, that'd actually be pretty cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't think it's. I mean, why would he? I mean, his, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have the balls to actually do something like that. And um, also, also, it goes I don't against know that it would the ethos because it's very much in the mythological framework of Americanism that voting, as you said, you know, puts you in the process, but it's also like this ritual that we do because we're Americans. And Donald Trump, right. if anybody, realizes that this makes people American and his whole thing is I want to be more American than anybody else. I, I think that yeah. he would personally view it as a slight against himself. If somebody said you can't vote on this day, he, you know, in his pea brain would be like, well, I don't want somebody to say that to me, so I'm not going to say it to them. Which is, I think, his logic for the mask thing. Yeah, I mean, it's also just the yeah. I mean, it's also just the fact that the line has been the coronavirus isn't that big of a deal. So, like, why would we cancel the election for the first time in however many years this country existed because of it? Yeah. No, no I think I think Bunny's point is well taken. I just think that um, he's going to win regardless. I yeah. I think I think he's got eh. that is somewhat at least in his mind in his back pocket like he's i just don't think donald trump plays within the perimeters of anything i just think he's a uh like dumb seeking missile and he'll just like go for the thing that serves the vibe of what he thinks he wants like i i i just feel like he's this sort of animalistic force sometimes this weird amoeba slug who like could i feel like he could come up with a way that people would be like yes it's it's it makes sense for him to postpone the election and it i i don't know i just think we're dealing with so many unprecedented yeah. things that uh, who knows what the fuck's gonna happen like it is kind of day to day and i can't say biden is definitely going to lose 
there are liberals who are extremely confident he's going to win, and they have a point because this is an unprecedented nationwide disaster. Uh, on the other hand, there are people who think Trump is definitely going to win, and they have a point because uh, Joe Biden is a terrible candidate and running a terrible campaign, and it seems like it could collapse at any minute. I don't know which of those things is going to overtake the other. It's a yeah, point any time, any of these timelines is possible to play out. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back to Charlemagne the God. Um, so Klobuchar, yeah, I called it. I'm taking credit for it. Take credit, yeah. I mean, it hasn't come out officially, but tentatively, yes, you do. I at least it. advanced my pieces, you know, a little further towards boardwalk or whatever that game is monopoly Pawn <laughs> i'm 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 getting closer to the getting a hotel which would be yeah. amy klobuchar being the vice president bringing her midwestern candor to the stump speech which i can't oh, God, and, that's, that's uh, i can't I imagine just like the vp debates between pence and klobuchar where she's going to be like boss mom and he's not going to be able to look her in the eye because he hates women. Is, he, is <laughs> his wife going to have to be like close by yeah, no. <laughs> in order for him to even be in the debate? You know, they're both into the same kind of Well, BDSM that's the thing about yeah. Biden and Klobuchar is that they're into the same BDSM shit. Torture. Except for Biden, it's like an elder abuse situation. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like with Biden, they're both doms. Um, but with Pence and Klobuchar, they'd actually fit in quite nicely together. Compliment mm -hmm. each other, if you will. He'd love for her to step on him with their, her shoes. Yeah, no, uh, he's into being the pony during pony. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate it. I want, it's like, at the very least, give me somebody funnier. Okay. You know. Okay, but what about yeah. bronies? I mean, that's not related to pony play. That's just male fans of My Little Pony, and I think that movement. Um, and I just want to shout out BronyCon every year in Baltimore, oh, in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I love that. I love Baltimore. Uh, my hometown uh, is a destination for a lot of conventions that are like, this is a great place to have a convention that isn't very expensive. <laughs> so we get a lot, like for many years, like burgeoning subcultures will have their convention in Baltimore. And then uh, if they get too big, they'll move on to D.C. But that's what happened with Otakon anime people. I just, okay, I have this image now in my head of, like, season uh, 12 of The Wire being Mayor Sarketti <laughs> arguing about Otakon moving to D.C. and, like, begging the head of Otakon to not move to D.C. And that being, like, a major subplot of uh, season 12 of The Wire. Oh, and would would he would Carcetti like attempt to relate? Yeah, and be like I no. I like this anime, and oh man, it would be well. Get it, no, get it wrong. He's, 
he he would try, and he'd be like, "I'm begging," and he'd like have his Carcetti accent, which I can't do, and he'd be like literally begging the weaves to stay in Baltimore because he built that convention center or whatever. I, I don't. I know. There's nothing like British people doing Baltimore accents, guys. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Is he a brother? Well, that that would be that would be what's his McNally. Um, He's also British. <laughs> oh, oh, Carcetti's. Yeah. Oh, I did not. He know was that. Littlefinger on uh, Game of Thrones. That guy did not speak. Strike me as legitimately having a British accent. No, the only non, the only American cast member of Game of Thrones is Tyrion. Is a uh, the guy who plays yeah, Tyrion? Well, who I'm Peter Dinklage. Right now, like a Peter Dinklage. Peter yes. Dinklage, dude. But uh, I don't know if yeah. that was like. No, but uh, Idris Elba also. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, there's there's shades of Baltimore yeah. accent, but yeah, I love it, uh, especially because Baltimore accent is my favorite uh, accent do to it, do. do, it, do it, if do I'm it, ever do doing some improv, yeah. I mean, you know, so like this whole quarantine thing is like I was trying to get in the ocean, and um, they didn't tell me nothing about like any of this, and uh, I just want to get in the water. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's the same as the South Jersey accent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I've got. It's a mid Atlantic I mean, thing, and there's this whole like it's history. It's a mid Atlantic accent. But uh, yeah. But then I want to the- I want to go home versus I want to go home, hun. Yeah. Uh, would be the difference between Philly and uh, mm-hmm. Baltimore. Yeah, and just like just some lingo, you know, like yeah, um, yeah. Philly. I, I, I think like to say, I like, think you guys make your ths as ds, yes. and Philly South Jersey does them as fs. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, because, like, you know, it's just, like, you guys, quarantine's hard. And, like, I can't get none of that Old Bay hot sauce. I, I love it when... I want that Old Bay hot sauce so bad. I love it when Maryland it's people a- make fun of Delaware accents. Well, they're, again, <laughs> it's all admitted. Delco? Well, Delco, Delco is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Delco is where the white Italian people from uh, who come to South Jersey... Uh, and say we're from Philly, they're actually from Delco. It's basically Philly, Staten Island. Well, the Delaware versus Maryland thing is that is slightly more pronounced. Yeah, well, that's just Delaware has, like, some rednecks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, so does Maryland. So does Maryland. Uh, Maryland, um, FYI, Maryland is America in miniature. So you've got everything in Maryland. Oh, you've got you. urban centers. You've got rural fuckery. You got the shore. You got mountains. I mean, you have all that in <laughs> like, Jersey too. It's who gives a yeah, shit? I don't know. Uh, being, they don't got crabs in Jersey. Actually, I mean, actually yes, they I, do. I a I lot have, of things I like about New Jersey. I, I, I remember uh, many a fond summer crabbing on the boat with my dad. They got them. Blue crabs. Yes, blue crabs. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're delicious. Yeah. And they were Maryland they blue crabs. No, they were blue crabs they're I caught in the Tapaho River. They're called Maryland blue crabs. Though. Yeah, if you check their IDs, they're yeah. all they're, Maryland. <laughs> no, I caught them in the Tuckaho River. Uh, just like i live in jersey city but i'm from that's because because (laughs) crabs swim marlo from maryland they do not (laughs) (laughs) 
crafts are um, notoriously uh, statist, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I very much identify with okay. Chesapeake. When Ryan. I went in the goth, um, Biden was on while well, interviewing with Charlemagne, cause, like through a Zoom chat, because that's our time. I guess Charlemagne was asking him, you know, what he's doing for the black community or whatever. No, he was. That's what we were talking about. Joe Biden uh, won the primary because of black people in South Carolina and black people were then offended by the leaking of the information about Klobuchar and Charlemagne was going, why are we going to support somebody who we back but never shows us any love? And Joe Biden goes, well, if it's between me and Trump and you don't know who to pick for pick, then you're you ain't black, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> I added Jack. I wait I mean it would have been less cringy if that's what he had actually said. <laughs> if he said the Jack part, it would have <laughs> it would been be more in character. A shade less terrible. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just I mean, like, it's, a, it's the truth. So my my favorite thing with it uh, yeah it goes back to um if you are seen as a reliable vote you aren't respected for that they just feel you don't have to be reached out to um but i my favorite tweet with this which is actually a mind-boggling tweet is by a zerlina maxwell i don't know who she is but she says i empathize so deeply with the biden folks today remember hot sauce gate yeah yeah, okay, so I do remember Hot Sauce Gate, which to quote uh, Veep, it's not a gate. Um, <laughs> but I do remember Hot Sauce Gate. That was where Hillary Clinton went on The Breakfast Club. And in reference to Beyonce's multimedia extravaganza that was uh, big at the time, she said, I got hot sauce in my bag. And Charlemagne felt that that was a bit patronizing and insulting to the black community. They were accusing her of pandering to black people. What's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just sauce. Really? You yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, yes. listen, I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it working? So what do you make of, A, the hot sauce comment, and B, her admitting to pandering? Well, I'm surprised she didn't say watermelon. Just go all the way, you know? Yes, and I will uh, say Hillary felt like she could go there because she, it had been established that she is a hot sauce fan. So, like, she felt like this was part of her... DNA. Yeah, like, oh, everyone thinks about this when they think of fucking Hillary Clinton because she had talked about it a yeah, of times hot- in the past. So but... Uh, with this tweet, though, is what's the internal? Charlemagne's notoriously like a shithead on many levels yeah. at many times. No, it's I not don't like, like everyone thinks he is. If anything, I don't feel for Biden in this. I feel for Charlemagne because he constantly oh, yeah. get has to put up with this from the uh, white centrist, uh, completely entitled um, Democratic candidate who just assumes that they all love him and assumes that the breakfast club is in fact the cookout that they've been invited to 
If Antonia and I invited you to a potluck or barbecue, what are you bringing? Oh. Is it a breakfast potluck? See, no. you already no. messing up. Like 4 p.m. It's going to be chips and salsa. And that lets them get away with stuff. And the idea that, like, Charlemagne, who is kind of a centrist guy himself, I don't particularly respect him for his political views, but he demands a moderate level of respect. He said a lot of problematic things, but this, uh, what he's talking to Biden about was yeah. our money. Like, it was a totally legitimate thing to ask. And then, like, no, I just, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, and I just don't get what, how you would reference Hot Sauce Gate and say you feel bad for the Biden people. Like, yeah, no, this is a pattern that's established where there's some dumbass white politicians who actually go in the breakfast club and just run their mouths about dumb fucking shit. And Charlemagne, not wanting to be completely disrespectful, tries to walk them back a little bit. You kind of like the original Rachel Dozo a little bit. Rachel Dozo was a white woman pretending to be black. Now, this is what I learned from my family. Yeah. Yeah. And they never get it. It's actually kind of funny. Hey, let's let's not forget the other white candidate that went on there and bombed Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that is true. Yeah, her uh, dad got very offended by Weed gate. Yeah. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhaled. I did, inhale? did, did inhale. inhale. <laughs> it was a long time ago. What were you What's listening to when you was high? <laughs> what was on? What song was Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, definitely Snoop. Uh-huh. Uh, Tupac, Tupac, for sure. Weed gate. Oh boy! She some time traveling weed that brought her back to the future. <laughs> she she'd smoked some weed in 1984, and it projected her to like 19. Yeah, and she foresaw uh, the Chronic by Snoop and Dre. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you know who uh, didn't say something really fucking stupid on The Breakfast Club is a... Uh, yeah, he did fine. And Marianne Williamson <laughs> also did, did fine. I was just going to say that, and I was like, followed uh, close second, uh, or mom herself, Marianne Williamson, which, uh, if you guys ha don't follow her on Twitter, please do, because day-to-day these days, she is just getting... Marianne Williamson like, is on fire. Fuck these jokes. And she's frankly... <laughs> At this point, with how much of a disaster Biden's campaign was and how much Sanders has kind of lent his name to that, she has the most integrity of anyone in the primaries, including against yeah, Bernie. I mean, she is, uh, she fucking rules. Fucking Marxist humanist, which is a thing that I've learned uh, transitioning from left Facebook to left Twitter. The intra-leftist uh, infighting is much weirder and more nuanced on left Twitter. Uh, so I learned what Marxist humanists are. Marianne Williamson is one. Mm -hmm. um, just uh, weird as fuck. Super into 1844's uh, Marx's... Uh, Economic and philosophic book. Yes. Which she quoted yes. in her Virgil, <laughs> Texas interview, Rest in Peace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, what, what's your predictions? Is the press going to forget about this in 24 hours and um, they're just going to like throw it under a rug until Donald Trump sells like a hundred thousand t shirts and then wears it at like 
a Georgia state rally or something. Speaking of uh, Donald Trump, he, he is going it's, to visit going Baltimore. To really funny. No, well, the first debate or whatever. Nobody's going. Nobody's going. He's going to Fort McHenry. This is a wild one. Speaking of South Jersey. Yeah, but the first debate, Donald Trump is going to say, also, and by the way, I found it so offensive when Joe Biden said that if you don't know if you're voting for him, you ain't black. I have many <laughs> black supporters. I love them. And I, they are very offended by that. And I find that. And there's so going to be people planted in the audience cool. with the uh, uh, hashtag. That's the last time we're going to. I'm not a black person. Right. Was that it? Not a black. Yes. Uh, we're speaking of the T-shirt that was mocked up very quickly and put on the Trump campaign website to buy. I think it was hashtag you ain't black. <laughs> you know, I feel like everyone's already forgotten everything because uh, what's trending on my Twitter is Chloe uh, Kardashian's new face. And not a damn thing about Joe Biden. I woke up to that. That was the first I woke up to mm -hmm. and I was like, what'd you do, Joe? What'd you do, Joe? Why is this? I feel like if the pandemic weren't going on, it would never be forgotten but it's just kind of getting swallowed up in a black hole of media that will be just thought of as pandemic time pandemic times i mean how we don't know how long pandemic times is gonna be despite um some places opening back up i'm learning all kinds of things about corners of my facebook that i don't often touch like in what? on well some people i know are upset that they've opened regular salons back up, but not tanning salons. Oh my god! So I, I was like, "That's a real niche. It's a real niche group of people that I didn't know I had collected in my friends list." You need to get rid of but, those uh, Jersey Shore stands. I like Jersey Shore's opening. This I've weekend. got a soft yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, Jersey yeah. Shore is about to open up, and I will be here for that. I will have on the ground reporting <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, no, it's Memorial Goddamn Day weekend. Uh, That's true. I think what's really sad about the state of our society is no one's suggesting an ancient Greek style, let's just stop the calendar until we figure this whole thing out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Before I got caught up cut off again by my shitty goddamn internet, I do have a hot take. Is the connection between... Uh, Michael Jordan's last dance and the reopen America protests because it all derives from the same fucking stupid as I called it last week uh, cut idea that working hard is a good thing and that's my least favorite thing about the last dance is that Michael Jordan is addicted to working hard and that's the dumbest goddamn addiction to do be into and working hard is boring and stupid and a lame thing that no one should do and that leads to people begging to be put in the meat grinder and get deadly fucking diseases so they can continue to work hard. And Michael Jordan, a Gramscian superstructural enforcement of that purist ideology. That's my hot take about all of this. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> Wait, did either of you watch The Great? Like, no, I, I completely forgot about that. And they say huzzah about a million times in the show. Listeners, please uh, 
Watch Hulu's The Great. It's a historical oh, comedy, right, right. which is my favorite uh, genre of shit. Um, and uh, it's about Catherine the Great uh, coming into. I don't want shit into... about Romanov. Sorry. Well, look, it's. I, I think it will be so interesting from a political per- perspective. Voltaire. Yeah, appearance. whatever. Uh, fuck him. He was like Ben Shapiro this day. He's like, oh. <laughs> whoa, 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 I think that's yeah. a hotter take. Like, uh, free speech or whatever. <laughs> Ew, don't tell Ben Shapiro that. <laughs> He's like, oh, free speech really? or whatever. Fuck you, weirdo. Also, no, um, Voltaire was a notorious pessimist. So uh, I think Ben Shapiro is a little bit more of a... Not an optimist, but he's like he's a he's Jewish, but he acts like a Christian. Uh, I don't agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Is basically just fascist enablement. I said it. Free speech is stupid. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, as Reza Watsonberg says, there is no such thing as rights. We understand from a dialectical perspective that there are only relations in power and what you have. At a given time, I think also Lenin had something about uh, free speech, but for who? Yeah, yeah, that's also. <laughs> well, I I still think uh, it's worthwhile to watch the show because Catherine the Great was infamously one of the so-called enlightened despots, and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. No, I I don't uh, care, Romanov. I would I wouldn't. Is she responsible for... My great-grandparents uh, having to leave Russia? Yes. Who came after her? You know, she didn't want her son... Yeah, to I know, over, because he was so a fucking dumbass. He, he was, was so incredibly God, stupid. She was- and she did everything she could to prevent him from getting the throne, and she failed. Which I love as a great example of uh, what I, my little theory is that you have these moments where women do come to power and they are exemplary and, you know, uh, oh my gosh, for their time, they're so impressive and la la la. And yet, uh, like, uh, like a Cleopatra, they are undone by <laughs> um, lesser men and they, they can't get anything uh, finished. And it's, it's like, why even try, bitches? Hey, I'm going to do it. I Just will call them specialists, but I'll also follow up with, you know what my favorite time well, of that was? Hyper. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I've read Valerie Solanus. But um, <laughs> you know what my favorite time of that was? Uh, are you aware of the pornocracy? Okay, so no. the pornocracy, I don't remember exactly when it was. But essentially, the it literally means uh, rule by prostitutes. And basically what happened was all the uh, mistresses of the Vatican pooled resources and shared information and created this, like, systematic blackmailing system and were able to take it. Oh, well, okay. yes, I am. Yeah, no, they were able to, okay. and it was called the pornocracy. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my favorite point of. That's a that's a title of a, of this episode. Yeah, possibly. Also, get off my head if we ever get around to that. Oh yeah, we're gonna. Okay, <laughs> let's transition into. Uh... Get off my head! Get off my head! Get off my head! Pornocracy Porno- now. <laughs> a pornocracy between uh, uh, Angela Nagel and. How could Angela Nagel has caused <laughs> oh, me so much fucking headache? 
in the last 72 goddamn hours. Yeah, no, she has... fucking Irish piece of shit. And that other Irish piece of shit. But now Marlo's just shitting on women left and right. No, okay, one of those Irish pieces of shit was a man, thank you very much. I, I don't fucking know. I always assumed he was. Maybe he's not. Uh, whatever. Fuck him, too. Um, Should I read some of the article? Yeah, read away. You're probably the one who actually, like, read... I, I read it-ish. I do have my notes about it. But, uh, yeah, you, you lead this because you probably, like, actually read it. Okay, so the context of this is uh, Mike Tracy and Angela Nagel. If you don't know who they are, yeah, you're lucky. Get off my head! They, this is this will be the second episode, or possibly the third, with that in there. I think it should be the title of the podcast, but I'm good. Um, Mike Tracy is otherwise known as Sunglasses Man. Uh, he may or may not have gone to college with Marlo and me. I may or may not have been his roommate in my junior year of college, um, which was coincidentally the same year that he got into brouhaha at an Ann Coulter, uh, the speech where he uh, got into it with the police and they uh, put their foot on his head. Yeah, and... Um, also, he was only there, I just got to point out, he was only there because the general of left to liberal uh, groups on campus at the time decided they were going to stage a walkout. And we actually did, to our credit, take up a bunch of seats that were denied to others and then walked out. And it interrupted her speech. It was like, whatever is fine. Um, it was like, it was. Very 2009 politicking. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we weren't doing direct action, and that wasn't really a sustainable thing at fucking TCNJ at the time. But I remember Mike Tracy at those meetings just going like, oh, well, what if we own her with facts and logic instead? And we're like, yeah, that's fucking stupid, and she's used to debating fucking college kids, and it doesn't actually convince anyone we're doing this instead. And he's like, well, I'm going to stick around and enter with facts and logic. And we're like, okay, fine. So then he got himself, like, fucking crying like a bitch on YouTube afterwards. So good for him. <laughs> okay. I love that attitude of, oh, no, this person's never been met with facts and logic before. <laughs> like, it's going to be this uh, mystical moment yeah. where, you know, and the Steve, you were there for that. Do his, you remember his, his question? Um, his question was about immigration. Yeah, it was some it was some fucking bullshit where it was like and, and here's the here's the cuck part of it. I was sitting in the back with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she's we, awesome. She and I were were friends back then, but mostly because we both made fun of Mike Tracy behind his back. <laughs> yeah, no, she was great. <laughs> And I was on my way back from class and I ran into her and we're like, want to go see the Ann Coulter brouhaha? And it was after the walkout. So we missed that, but got in late and she and I sat in the back and then Mike Tracy, we spied him and we started pointing and laughing like we used to do because we would go to all these events where he'd be and then we'd sit there and mock him. And he asks this question and Ann Coulter immediately shuts him down like bitch that he is. And yeah. 
after. Yeah, no, because it was like this fucking daily show bullshit. Yeah. Of like, oh, you said about this thing. Yeah, it was a, you're a hypocrite for this reason. Won't you answer my question about immigration? And she's like, it's a stupid fucking question. Anyways. Yeah, so, and she's like, oh, you're a lib. And everyone laughs so, at him and he asks to sit down. So, and then he goes up to, to go up to her to sign a napkin. He's supposed to have a, a, a uh, copy of her book, but he doesn't have a copy of her book. He has a, a napkin that he wants to sign so that he can get another go at his question. And the, the security guards are there and they're like, you, you can't, you need a book. And he's like, but I have every right to ask her a question. Tries to go around the security cops and they push her, push him to the ground and like put a knee on his head. And there's a video of him screaming, get off my head, get off my head. Then oh, afterwards, he got brought. We should just make it our. He, he got brought. Star. Yeah, he got brought to the. Matt remix. That he shit. got brought to the police station, and they like called him a faggot, like a bunch, which. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and both Ann Coulter and the cops in the same night <laughs> can't be good. And then anyway, we need to like not completely just make this about like Tracy getting and, and then and then he comes. Well, he deserves it. He's fully gone. Uh, rape apologist on uh, yeah, Tom. He, so, he's you know gone a lot of ways, and that brings us to him <laughs> teaming up with. Angela Irishman Nagel, the Knott's Bowl from the Green Emerald Isles. The, the last part of that mm -hmm. is I want to say he came back to our, our apartment and made me take his picture of the cop bruises that he told me explicitly he was going to use to try to get back at the police and stage a protest against pre police brutality, which until the video of him getting just screaming like <laughs> just screaming we had friends like, who, we had friends who it had it so funny. we had friends who had it as their ringtone yeah no yeah he was at a party and my friend had it had him screaming getting arrested as his ringtone and his phone went off and Mike Tracy noticed it. <laughs> and, like, we all kind of sniggered. And um, then later on in the night, his phone went off again, thus displaying it wasn't just the prank he was pulling. That was his actual ringtone. At the it was so funny that you <laughs> wanted to believe in per police brutality as a result. <laughs> like, you, you just could not support this dude. I went to the protest. And then I watched the video afterwards, and I'm like, eh, never mind. Um, it was just that hilarious. Okay, so he and Angela Nagel, Angela Nagel, if you don't know, look her up. She's controversial. Yeah, first, whatever. First is tragedy, then as farce, the collapse of the Sanders campaign, and the, quote, fusionist left. And I just want to point out that in this article, he uses the scare quotes like four times per paragraph. And there are so many scare quotes. 
Um, though, to be fair, Angela Nagel wrote this article. It's very clear in the citations. Uh, Mike Tracy did some interviews that he then told to Angela Nagel, who then used them to write the articles. And so we go. In the aftermath of the collapse of the Bernie Sanders campaign, there have been many calls for serious reflection, uh, each immediately followed by comforting explanations that negate any serious reflection. Quote, what if Occam's razor applies and the explanation for Bernie's loss is the simplest, as former Sanders speechwriter David Sirota in all of American history, a corporate-owned political system has almost never allowed an existential threat to corporate power to be elected president. Such post hoc rationalization, however, elided the extreme advantages that Sanders commanded upon universal name recognition, a nationwide organizing network, nearly unlimited sums of money, Four years to plan, and even a begrudging, uh, even a grudging recognition from national media that he'd established himself as a formidable political go without saying that having won 46% of pledged delegates in 23 contests in the primary cycle, Sanders held a dominating position that would be the envy of every aspiring candidate. Okay. If, uh, quote, corporate-owned was really such an insurmountable obstacle, then why did Sanders even bother running in the first place? Because he enjoys running for president at age 78 with cardio cardiovascular problems to boot? No, of course not. Sanders and his team of advisors concluded that he stood a very good chance of winning the Democratic nomination, and they were correct in their prognosis. Until it all came crashing down. Uh, yeah. Oh okay. God, so. Please. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the Occam's Razor solution is just what you've been saying, Steve, which is he had a thirty percent strategy that fell apart when that was no longer viable. It's literally the only reason. Yeah. No. It's it. He had a workable strategy to get a solid 30% against the split field that couldn't overcome that. And then there wasn't a split field. So he lost. It's, it's not that simple. Yeah. It it's really simple. is that fucking simple. Well, it's obviously that simple, but what they're doing is this thing that uh, people who treat politics like it's a sports thing do where they're like, oh, well, you know, they just uh, they just didn't bring it all to the field that game. But, That's why they lost, which is project this like ultimate fairness onto all uh, the results. Like, oh, it's obviously just a failure of this campaign that things went this, that and the other, um, which is. Not, it's not applied evenly. It's and, just okay. So uh, the fundamental problem with this like, article is it essentially argues very indirectly that Sanders should have run his campaign uh, to be more like uh, Tulsi Gabbard and come in second in American Samoa. That's basically at the end of the day what the argument <laughs> is. Every solution it gives is against this idea of id poll while pursuing what it calls you know culturally right which is an identity because there's no 
material basis of being culturally right any more than culturally left. It's a confused mess, and the ideas that it presents, oh, you should wear a fucking flag pin. But yeah, that guy, he's obsessed with that shit. That's identity politics. That is identity politics. Would it have hurt you to put on a flag pin one There's time? Not a, oh, my God. The reason God. that like, class I, is not just an identity, as the liberals claim, is because class is a description of your material relations to production and how you can actually interact with society. That's the definition of class. Everything else is put upon you by the culture, and wearing a flag pin is 100% identity politics. Patriotism is identity politics. There's this myth that's propagated by... Mike Tracy and by Kyle was was his last name Kalinsky, um, Kalinsky, and somewhat by Crystal Ball and this, you know, anti-establishment kind of self-defining part of the left that views the problem of the Sanders campaign or diagnoses the problems of the left as being one that is exclusionary of socially conservative people. And if they include socially conservative views and shame the like little kids that are the like left cultural figures or whatever that run Hollywood and blah, 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 then there would be more room to pick up voters in the middle which is like just another way of doing the Joe Biden like yeah. moderate Republicans, but like applied to the left, which was that was Tulsi Gabbard's like It bitch. absolutely was. I'm a soldier, and, I served my country and that's important. And, and the only and the only person that bought that line and sinker was Mike Tracy. Literally no one liked Tulsi Gabbard. This idea doesn't work. If you actually offer solid material gains, even so-called cultural conservatives will come on board because, frankly, they don't give a shit. No one – the people who care about trans bathrooms are trans people who need to go to the bathroom and rich people who will never support Sanders who have the money to sit around and think about how much they hate trans bathrooms. This idea that poor people who are otherwise culturally conservative, if you offer them real material reasons to support you, will be turned off by your id poll is a fantasy from the outside projected on this group. I think it's like something that happens anytime you speak to how a dominant group is acting where there's this reaction that says oh, oh, oh actually 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 like uh, talking about it or even pointing it out is like gonna make more bad stuff and it's like this, it's arguing that just... class struggle isn't real and, and that's the that's where i push back against the idea that a lot of people say Nagel is a class reductionist. I don't think she is because she essentially argues that the main struggle is intra-class along these cultural lines. 
Uh, she doesn't consider a struggle that unites the working class that happens to be immigrants from South America, Central America, and Mexico with the working class that is born in the United States. She can't imagine that. She views an inherent class, intra-class struggle between those two groups and says you should take one side in that struggle. She's not a class reductionist. She's this weird Gramscian cultural reductionist. Sorry, Gramsci, I use your name like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I did have it. this Rosa quote, which was uh, political discrimination against a particular nationality is the strongest tool in the hands of the bourgeoisie, which is eager to mask class conflicts and mystify its own proletariat. And that's what it's talking about. It's replacing class interclass conflict between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, which doesn't consider nationality with this nationalist intra-class conflict between two nationalities of the proletariat against each other. And they should align with their respective bourgeoisie to defeat them. Uh, and the one, and the one thing that is a running theme, both well, mostly in Angela Nagel's, I don't know if it is Mike Tracy because he doesn't seem to be consistent on anything. <laughs> but this very, very defined borders that are exclusionary, like, and, and this was true with with Mike Tracy too. But the idea that if Sanders like fought for border security and the same thing with the trans rights that there are borders between you know hard borders between genders and that you know open identities is not possible or fluid identities is not you know an advisable strategy um, Mike Tracy's big gripe with the DSA was that they endorsed open borders at their last whatever and they should have because that is the marxist idea but but the the idea is that if you exclude people and you add these very f firm borders for them that means political power um or at within least within your island the goal oh, wait. Is, the goal is the ascendancy of the working class not just some island well, for you not for them yeah, well, it's not fucking left. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that um, the collective agreement of the imaginary idea of borders <laughs> is uh, immediately important to um, the very survival of an entire nation. I think you can understand that people would be afraid of open borders without validating the idea that you need borders. I think it's something that could be addressed, but like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I really am more familiar with, uh, Angela from, um, her stuff on. Kill all normies. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. We're talking the alt-right kill all normies. Which is also, I want to point uh, out very but, like defining know. of borders, like define internet as to to yes, draw yeah. you know drive a cleaver between this is this subculture versus this is this subculture and that 
one thing that people found yeah. to be persuasive and pretty um, a good analysis if he took it in that way. Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like her entire argument in that was like, it seemed like they were just innocently trolling, but it was much worse. <laughs> like, it, it's very, uh, it's got a like Dateline NBC of the 90s tone to it. Uh, a lot of her writing, I feel like it's like I'm reading something that's written for old people who are older than me, despite her being, I think, the same age as me. <laughs> like, it's like she's trying to explain things to people of an older generation and but it's like one she made up in her head because often she's cited as like the person who explained how the internet contributed to these things and it's like I, even that framing of how the internet contributed rather than uh many of these subjects happening wholesale on the internet it's not like oh the internet was like a slice of it just seems like she's a boomer whisperer or or also like, not like a <laughs> like somebody who in the I don't know what you call it about like the post Trump getting elected retroactively got read a lot as somebody who well she kind of had the first book that made a splash that was specifically about the alt right and people yeah. who otherwise yeah. would have never bought something published by Zero Books or known about Angela Nagel suddenly bought her. And it's like a small um, book. It's like 30 pages. Pretty easy to read. Yeah, it's... It's a pamphlet. Yeah, and it's just... There's plenty of things to criticize about it. Uh, there have been other more thorough, more well-researched and cited books on the same subject since then. And she kind of makes us broadside argument about Tumblr left versus the 4chan right and which fair just for my personal uh, theorizing I do like to describe a lot of so called woke framework of today was did get started on Tumblr I like, it's the Tumblrfication uh, where I think you had actually a lot of productive discussions yeah. that happened but also weird fucking misapplications of those frameworks right. and etc that then transformed and became their own thing the mishmashing of discussions about uh, transgender issues than with people who wanted to talk about their identity as other kin. Yeah. Which, you know, like, but it became fascinating. Didn't start fascism in 2016. Like, oh, fascism yeah, in no, 2016. Absolutely. And fascism <laughs> is not a reaction to weird subcultures of people consisting of like 72 different individuals fascism is capitalism <laughs> in crisis and well and it's like i think it's funny how like i could i can be like oh yeah that's annoying that this person is like i'm really a wolf 
and uh, I'm discriminating. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, like, yeah, I can make fun of that person and still not have to undercut legitimate marginalized group struggles just because people have made these wild wet. Yeah, they weren't actions. shouting the other thing um, will not replace us in Charlottesville. <laughs> oh, if only that was. Yeah, no, the, and I'd, you know, uh, yeah, I'd no, they probably won't. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> and they all pick animals that are cool. Like none of them are like, oh, like none of them are like shitty animals inside, which is what's suspicious to me. <laughs> you think like it's a lot of wolves and like bears and lions and these great mammals. That uh, people often relate to, but it's never like, <laughs> I'm a little silkworm. <laughs> like, I just can't stop pooping fabric. Um, wait, is that how silkworms yeah. work? Um, here's, here's a good, here's a good yeah. section. <laughs> After Liz ambushed Bernie with a far-fetched story purporting to cast him as a malevolent sexist, it was Tulsi who rose to his defense. Yeah, no, thanks. And when Tulsi, Warren Muse... Tulsi called her two friends and said, that's bullshit. And when Warren mused that it might, after all, be just fine for superdelegates to thwart Sanders' nomination, and if he entered the convention with the most pledged delegates, Gabbard was the only other candidate to object. And when Sanders permitted himself to be Russia-gated in the critical period before South Carolina primary, appearing to accept the nonsensical premise of the Washington Post article alleging that an all-powerful Vladimir Putin was once again interfering in U.S. democracy, this time on Sanders' behalf, it again fell on, guess who, Gabbard to defend him more vigorously than even Sanders chose to defend himself. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say... Tulsi's never going to I'm just going to say, for the record, guys. in all those instances, yeah. I'm pretty sure Marianne Williamson also went to bat for him. Yeah, oh, and no, I'm not going right. to say, uh, like, that Bernie Sanders should have ran a campaign more like Marianne Williamson, even though I do, in fact, love Marianne Williamson and think she's the only person with integrity in the entire goddamn race. I'm not an idiot, and I won't write a fucking 90-page article about how actually Bernie Sanders should have uh, run his campaign more like Marianne Williamson, so he would have won no states. She won the state of consciousness. Well, you know what? Maybe yeah, I no, will. she won many states of consciousness. <laughs> she won yeah, no, and I love plane. her for that. I also love her for uh, she's, she's got a great sense of humor, and uh, she did joke I'll that right she back. tried to stomp on the balls of of the Democratic establishment, did she is, and they didn't like it. Yeah, no, she like she's legitimately funny. Yeah, no, she's great. Uh, yeah, I don't know where we're at. I mean, we could keep talking about it off my head. <laughs> um. <laughs> I just, I just can't wait for the day my, my kids becomes will, aware no of this. Like, who the fuck is Bunny um, Femalis? Um, you don't think Mike Tracy has got levels no, of like I really, himself? I really <laughs> tried to get my friend to to come on the pod tonight to call him in a prank phone call because he's got a character that. He's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's been doing this since like college. Yeah, no, he had this fake character named Boris. Yeah. Which was this Russian, uh, like, drug dealer mafioso. And he's, Boris 
sold drugs to Mike Tracy before, um, allegedly, and uh, <laughs> allegedly. I was going to try to get him to yeah, create this. For us, yeah. Well, I mean, this person's like, I'm 35, I don't do prank phone calls, to which, don't you? Okay, come on. <laughs> person oh, no. whose name I'm not oh, going no. to say right now. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Only people, dude, only people, so only funny. old people like, even think of doing phone calls. To revive the Boris character after like a decade, um, that would be great. This is like how I feel when I reconnect with uh, the people I knew in college who were in my sketch comedy group, the ones who didn't go into any kind of entertainment, where they're like fucking actuaries now. <laughs> And uh, I'm like, you remember that time? Oh, well, that's a continuation that on my uh, dad's saga um, where he tweeted his hookah to his dumbass uh, high school buddies and they started a group chat. Like, every other fucking thing is like, <laughs> yo, remember that time when, like, Hooch, like, totally yacked on the mayor's lawn? Like, they all have these, like, stupid-ass Animal House nicknames for each other. And they have a thousand stories about urinating on buildings you shouldn't urinate on. Oh, man. That's, I like that because my parents always managed to tell a horrifyingly, like, explicit story of their partying that, like, shocks everyone at a family dinner. Like, every time I brought someone home, my parents are like, yeah, remember this time awesome, we smoked dude. PCP? And I'm That's like, what? So cool. Why are you telling this story for the first time in front of my boyfriend? Like, it's, it's yeah. Uh, my dad's got a famous story about uh, smoking PCP and how they used to do it is they spray it insane. on parsley and roll it up into little joints. That is the most Greek white trash thing I've ever heard. They'd smoke PCP <laughs> in Baltimore. <laughs> my And that's my dad's brand. My dad is very proud of the fact that he has lived in every ethnic white we trash used to neighborhood smoke in the Baltimore area for his lifetime. <laughs> oh my God. I, I would love to... Uh, do something for my old dad and be like, Dad, I brought you PCP, but I put it on great. Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, he'd be into it because my parents, they like to party. I feel like all of my future gifts for my parents should involve like doing peyote in the desert or some shit. Because uh, I feel like all their dreams of what they'd want to do in retirement are kind of in okay, that area. What if we like, added some like Tulsi <laughs> Gabbard element to the Russia Boris? Yo, we gotta convince. Do this. Seriously. Hey. Should I a Tulsi impression? You know who you are. <laughs> the fuck you have too much dignity have you read mike tracy's articles is, since college you have I'm too much dignity to prank call mike tracy <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you dude my words sir you know you know what i'm gonna work on my no. tulsi gabbard impression and, uh, right now all you're in a where you can like <laughs> easily spoof any number for so many websites you will never see it yeah man He'll never know it, man. Wouldn't it be hilarious if right. Mike Tracy is literally listening to this? Like, he just saw our first episode and was like, oh, I, 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 I'm I, going to listen to this random shit people want, I went to college with put out. And uh, 
Now he knows. Like, I I would love to discover that that he's been in on this the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That has been extremely consistent. But he doesn't know that you've you've uh, convinced me, a perfect stranger, to completely hate him for reasons where I feel more justified than if I just came across his shitty articles. I feel like I have a uh, all right, that, proof that of his shittiness that in you guys. Call so, him also you know. threw him out of a sex convention. Oh yeah, no, my strange. Okay, this is where we like get sued. Okay, actually, this is how we break out as a podcast. We get sued by Mike Tracy for uh, saying he uh, rapes people, but we're not going to say that because he allegedly rapes people, um, and also not raped, tried to. No, well, the story is that Attempted. he convinced a girl to do drugs with him in a bathroom. And then tried to get them to fake sex noise to convince people outside of the bathroom that she was having sex with him. <laughs> yeah, okay. And this was at a, um, for, for context, this was at a uh, Renaissance quote unquote fair slash sex convention in a hotel in New Jersey. In New Jersey, Somerset, New Jersey. It, it was in no way a fair. Beautiful. It was like a Ooh, vaguely Renaissance-themed uh, sex convention that then became more steampunky because corsets. But yeah, it was like totally in a hotel. It wasn't like there weren't fairgrounds involved. They rented out all six. Yeah, no, it's really a sex convention that are which is rants dirty on. Oh, but I I'm mad that that girl didn't like say yes and then like be like oh, oh my god oh your dick is so small Ew. like you know like that would have been. Oh, man, she missed such an opportunity to like totally this, uh, um, do what he asked, but this, uh, you know. Uh, Make fun of him. Well, that was the extent <laughs> of the allegations against him. He was literally banned for life from a sex convention. Yeah, no, for as long as the sex convention. And he got a talking to and didn't understand why he was in trouble, therefore banning him for life. Yeah, no, he did more than just this weird fucking, like, oh, could you make sex noises? He also, yeah, he did things allegedly, but, you know, I'm not about to get sued by Chrissy. I mean, I totally believe you that he's weird and gross. Very weird and allegedly (laughs) very gross. Um, I I mean, yeah. yeah. We got, we're gonna, okay, we're. But I do enjoy, I do enjoy uh, expressions of amorphous loyalty where I'm just like, yeah, I'll hate this person because you guys do. I like it in that dimension alone, even if there wasn't. All right, this this is how we break out. We need to, my Tracy. Oh no! Yeah, it's probably pretty doable. I feel like I feel like we shouldn't need two Mike Tracy. We should times up Mike Tracy. Okay, we need to make a professional inappropriate allegation. Well, no, the allegation would almost certainly be true. Like it would be an extremely short search to figure out something terrible about him. My point is, my point is, how do we turn this into the Boris character? Because no, my yeah, my point is we got to get our friend on um, <laughs> who knows who he is, and fuck you, Mister. I'm thirty. Fuck you, <laughs> person. 
Type names of things when I'm respecting your privacy. Dick. He's only told me he would only come on if he wouldn't use his name. Yeah, no, and look at me respecting that. Yeah, it's worth. Do we have to like distort his voice? Do we have to? No, he'll do his like stupid fucking Russian accent that like sounds, you know, great. It's pretty convincing. Um, but yeah, and then he'll break it at some point and just use his regular voice. It'll be fun. Um, he's a jovial fucking fellow. Yeah. <laughs> no, you should meet him sometime. Like, you'll love him. Like, everyone loves him. He, like, really chews up the room. <laughs> okay, my story, my story that I tell about him in the sex convention is three <laughs> years in a row, he had a running thing where he told everyone he was going to set his penis on fire on the roof. <laughs> and... <laughs> he would he was threatening every year he never ended up doing it but he constantly had it in the future that he was going to do it yeah no, it's very like Kafka before the law shit <laughs> uh, he was extremely poetic and literary in oh bingo right? I feel like awesome. the Kafka is life Kafka uh, <laughs> yeah man um Coffee. I'm gonna read some of the metamorphosis just to fill up. Oh the time. no! Okay, you know what? Gregor Samsa what? awoke from unsettling dreams one morning. He found himself. Okay, you know what? Save it for the Twitch channel. Yeah. The other thing about Mike Tracy coming on this after That's the true. pandemic ends is he does live in Jersey City. All this time. I know. So he's, I could have been walking by him all this time. I have no idea. I'm just like talking shit about this guy that uh, I don't know at all in person. Um, I know him via his shitty articles and stories you guys have told me. What would be really cool is if he had seen me at a comedy show over here and didn't know that I was yeah. on a podcast making fun of him. That would be an ideal thing. Steve, how much hair does he have on his body? He, he has a an inordinate amount of chimpanzee. He also <laughs> just annoyed the shit out of me with the singing in the shower. Yeah. Okay, his number one what was song, because he was in the, um, he, he had a solo in the iTunes uh he was in the uh, the the acapella group on campus, iTunes, and he had the solo in Desert Rose uh, by Sting. So I had to hear him sing Sting's Desert Rose in the shower for like months on it. This one performance, which again I went with his girlfriend <laughs> at the time, sat in the audience only to mock him for the entirety of his performance. <laughs> Gosh, Steve, my whole junior year of college so was much, just <laughs> mocking him. He was a terrible boyfriend. Uh, you know what? I get that vibe from him, so I believe you. <laughs> what we really <laughs> should do awful. is call up his ex girlfriend and get uh, her to shit on him but too. I feel like she's extremely like moved I'm on. Sure she yeah, no, she's married yeah. an Indian guy, like. Oh, yeah, she has. She, I remember the Facebook. <laughs> she went to India for like two Jesus years Christ. and then married. Yeah, I met some dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I feel like that would just be bothering her. It is always nice yeah. to know oh, yeah. about somebody's regrettable ex. <laughs> All right, guys, this, I think we should wrap, so wrap this up. Uh, uh, so we're we're on the Twitters. I'm, at, go sluts. Uh, I'm Pinko funny Steve. Steve, you're on Twitter. 
I'm extremely easy to dox. Just figure it out yourself. Yeah, just like, but uh, Marlo is a man of mystery. When um, I've been working on my illustration <laughs> skills, guys. So when I draw, <laughs> us, I'm gonna put you in a mask, Marlo. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know, guys. Find support us, our find Patreon. Thanks to Richard, internet. by the way. Single, single patron. Yeah, Richard's our patron <laughs> of uh, the month. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's, um, he's, we should get some premium content just for him, though. Uh, I know. I really think it would be funny to have almost <laughs> too much premium content. Oh man, for no, one we could just patron. like make it all just I, saying nice things about. I, <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna like go. I know things. I know him the best. And like he and I talk things. on a daily basis. Yeah, I could just put a heartfelt uh, thank you letter. Yeah, we'll just, like, put out premium episodes that are just saying nice things about <laughs> So up to our first 10 patrons, I say, you'll get personalized premium content. <laughs> It'll be directed at you, specifically the individual. You can um, find us online, as we already said. I'm learning to, to draw on the internet now, guys, so I'm, I'm putting a lot of cool. <laughs> random artwork up. He so lay on his hard armor-like um, back, right, and when he raised his head a little, he saw a vaulted... Oh my God,